into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the geek's watch. For the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back to another shift on the Geeks Watch. That's right, we're here. We're still talking about Black Mirror season four. And John, I just have to say, I am just not. And I've liked every season so far of this show, but this season has just not been for me. I don't think. Yeah, and me on the other hand has been kind of digging it for the most part. So strange that uh, you know it's finding such a opposite ends of the spectrum for this one but we'll get into that yeah, we'll definitely get into that because tonight we're talking about uh crocodile episode three of season four yes okay but before that as always we're going to get into some geek news uh what's been traveling around the internets for this week let's see my first story J.J. Abrams. We all know J.J. Abrams. He's going to be directing Episode 9 now. He directed Episode 7 of Star Wars. Uh, he's created uh, a lot of... Uh, you might not agree great shows, but a lot of culturally reverent... Revelant? Revelant? Rev, no. What am I trying to say? What, what, how do you say that word? Culturally resonant? Relevant. Relevant. There, there's the word. Relevant shows. Uh and not by like they're socially relevant, but like just things that people talk about. So Lost, uh, Fringe, Alias, Alias, Felicity, those type of things. Anyways, this new show that uh, is said he, to hit for him to be uh, shopping rounds in an untitled sci-fi drama uh, says it's about a family consisting of a mother who works as a scientist, her husband, and their young daughter who all get into a terrible car accident. After the mother winds up in a coma, her daughter begins digging through her experiments in the basement and winds up being transported to another land amid a world's battle against a monstrous, oppressive force. Her father then follows her into the new world. And her name is Coraline. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be pennies in the eyes? Or yeah, is it buttons? buttons in the yeah. <laughs> sorry, buttons. Uh, I don't know. What, how does that sound to you? Does it sound interesting? It sounds interesting. Yeah. I kind of like the idea, kind of giving a Narnia twist with science fiction. Yeah, that's true. I didn't, you know, that's, I didn't think about that. It's definitely a Narnia twist with the whole, uh, going up against an oppressive force. Yeah. And like the portal that from based on the parents work or some other kind of gives me a little bit of a glimpse of a uh, wrinkle in time too. I was that's... thinking a lot of wrinkle in time, especially yeah. since all the trailers have been coming out about that now. Oh, yeah. Like I, I've never read the book, but uh, I know that it's 
a staple in science fiction fantasy. Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. I dig it. Yeah, so yeah, and from what I see, you know, with the whole Chris Pine is lost in another world and his daughter goes looking for him kind of thing, that's a seems like that's a, very similar to what this story is. Yeah, and as just about everything these days, probably a back door for Cloverfield as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He does. He is heavily. He is involved with producer for Cloverfield. That's so. going to be his legacy. Everything's the Cloverfield universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, every if, if there's slusho in this universe, then it's part of Cloverfield universe. Oh, that means that Cloverfield is part of Star Trek. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which actually would make sense. I mean, they are both sci-fi, and they both deal with monsters and sure weird creatures yeah you know, it's, it's not supernatural so it yeah sense. once they figured out how to deal with uh with um giant creatures like that that come from the bottoms of the ocean or outer space depending on who you're talking to uh you know how how far could uh, warp travel be <laughs> yeah we'll still have to see that thing could be uh you know planted there by the romulans as a way to wipe out their human civilization before we get to uh you know pre-warp technology so yeah, done Just you, you, you figured it call, out yeah. it's i i'm right there with you <laughs> uh what's your first story my first story is because everybody's been asking for it it appears we have a surprise sequel to crocodile dundee <laughs> i mean i don't I, I i can't say that i have my ear straight to the internet or anything but i don't think anybody's been asking for another sequel to the crocodile dundee story well, maybe paul hogan i don't know <laughs> i have have you seen the trailer? <laughs> it looks um I I don't know what to make of it. I saw it and I'm like is this real? I mean, is Paul <laughs> I haven't watched it. Is Paul Hogan actually in the trailer? I don't remember seeing him. I was kind of watching it uh I don't want to say as I was driving it, but it was playing as I was conducting a motor vehicle and <laughs> it was in the background. So I couldn't quite tell if he was in it, but uh yeah, Danny McBride, everybody's favorite uh <laughs> I, I don't I can't stand Danny McBride personally. Uh, you know what? I, He's never, a lovable asshole. I, you're half right. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me, I I've never enjoyed that type of character in anything. Um, so I, I I really like him in Land of the Lost. No, I mean okay. The only thing I enjoyed him in is probably uh, Tropic Thunder. He was I liked him in that. That's too, yeah. probably the only thing that I enjoyed him in, and he's barely in it, and he's kind of making fun of um, uh, uh, Nick Nolte's character the whole time, so that's fine with me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just don't like Danny McBride, especially in movies where he's the the focus, like he's the star. And I mean, I'm not the I'm the first one to be like, look, you don't need to get a person from that country to play the character because we have english people playing americans all the time so americans and and, and, well we don't get a lot of americans playing english people i feel like they don't allow that to happen that often they make the exception for robert downey jr then that's true i mean they do make the exception for some people i mean look at angelina jolie played laura croft and uh alan tudyk played wart in kings uh, uh the knight's tale so, that's true yeah so uh the, there is the exception and now you got danny mcbride playing an australian and i don't know if i can believe well, maybe that. he's not an australian maybe the story is he's one of mick dundee's children or illegitimates well, that he had in america well it's not illegitimate the third movie he had a, a son with uh the the reporter lady 
So maybe that's supposed to be him. You know, maybe he grew up in the U.S., so he's more Americanized and then goes Fair. back down to, you know, You're right. I didn't even think about that. That I, could be, yeah. I didn't think about that. You're right. So that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, though, the kid that was in the third movie, which I think came, around, came out around 2003, could not grow up fast enough to be Danny McBride, but... We'll see. We'll see. Well, what it's happens. those Australian genes, man. You mature oh, quickly for yeah. I, when you're fighting crocodiles. That's what <laughs> yeah. happens? It grows some hair on your chest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that that's a thing. We'll have to uh, check it out. I guess when it happens. Uh, yeah. Flash, though, <laughs> over in the DCEU or DCFU, as some people are saying now. What's the S stand for? The F stands for film. Oh, film the, universe. Yeah, the DC okay. film universe. Uh, there has been some movement on the Flash movie, and some people say, you know, at one point it was being called the Flashpoint movie. Don't know if that's still going to be what it is, but John Francis, the team of John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, are in talks and negotiations to, to to direct it. Now, this would be the fourth set of directors, I believe, this movie's had uh, behind Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Uh, Rick Fuyam Fu Famuyaya? No, <laughs> Famuyiwa? I, I don't know how you say his name. I'm sorry. Uh, but he directed Dope. I remember that. Oh, that's right. And uh, who was the one before that? Can't remember, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, these two have directed Vacation. They have directed the upcoming Game Night. And they also wrote... Uh, spider-man homecoming so how do you feel about the these i mean john francis daly we know from freaks and geeks and waiting uh he's obviously been an, uh, an actor for a while but now he's a part of a directing writing duo now my takeaway from this is these guys are mostly known for comedic writing i would say that these guys are kind of in the same ballpark as uh Lord and Miller. Yeah. But that doesn't sound like the kind of writing slash directing team that you would appoint to a Flashpoint movie. Because <laughs> the Flashpoint story is not a very funny one. It's not. It's a very dark story. <laughs> it's very dark. It's very brutal. I mean, assuming they went with actual Flashpoint and don't try to do like a TV version of it like we got with the series. With the series, yeah. Where it's just Flashpoint in name only. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious what their involvement is. If this is even still Flashpoint. I mean, if, if they're the directing team behind the origin story for The Flash, or maybe just some other kind of story that only kind of is more like the Homecoming, where they only hint at the origin, but it's its own standalone or its own continuation. Right. Apart from, you know, what happened in Justice League, that could work. Flashpoint, not so much. <laughs> you know, you can't... Um, I, I hope they're not going with that as a comedic route either. So Well, you know, I mean, uh, take a look at what they've done with The Flash in Justice League and the little bit in Suicide Squad and a little bit in Batman v Superman. He's just the... He's the comic relief. relief. Yeah, yeah. He, that's what he's... He's Spider-Man for this universe. So I could see them being like, that's what, the reason why. And if they do that, fine, make a comedic flash movie just don't call it flashpoint because that's not the point of flashpoint yeah uh like dc just really needs to hold their wad in for some of these bigger stories that need time to get there you know they, oh you're preaching to the choir <laughs> <laughs> don't even get me started yeah 
there is there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this universe if they even decide to keep it a universe at one point so what was it variety was reporting that that ben A- they offered it to ben affleck to direct before they offered it to, to this duo uh, but then there was other sources saying, I think Collider was saying that, no, that's not true. They never af- offered it to Ben Affleck to direct. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this. I, I, en- I seem to be in the minority and I enjoyed the vacation movie, the new vacation movie. I thought it was a great, um, uh, sequel to the franchise, I guess, or a restart to the franchise, not a reboot because, Chevy Chase's character still exists. Clark Griswold still exists. They would exists. call this a soft reboot. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But it's still, to me, I would just say restart. Like it's starting the franchise back up. It's not getting rid of any of the old story. Right. Right. No. Yeah. It's not a remake. Yes. It's not. Yeah. It's not a yeah. remake. It's not. It's not Ghostbusters 2016. Exactly. Okay. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see what what they do with Game Night as well. It kind of reminds me of like Michael Douglas's The Game, but a little bit more funny. Like I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it. I have not, but I'm curious now. Okay. I'll check it out. Yeah, you check it out. Uh, what's your next story? My next story is the director of Twenty Eight Weeks Later is being approached to direct a live action remake of Disney's The Sword in the Stone. So Twenty Eight Weeks Later, not Twenty Eight Days Later, which was Danny Boyle. Correct. So yeah, this tw- is... I never watched Twenty Eight Weeks Later. It's not bad. It's a decent, well, I mean, if you've seen 28 Days Later, this is like that, but with more characters because they had a bigger budget, really. But I remember just, I remember Jen- Jeremy Renner was in it, but apparently he was only in it for a little bit, right? I don't even remember him in it. So there's the scene, and I've only seen it in the trailer, and I, like I said, I've never seen the movie. There's a scene where he's pushing a car with kids in it, and he like winks at one of the kids or something like that, trying to keep them calm. And then apparently he dies right after that. Must have been early on in the beginning then, because I think that's when that happens. Yeah, because I remember like never watching it and, and and thinking, oh, that's the guy that was in Hurt Locker. And then when he became Hawkeye, I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, he was in Twenty Eight Weeks Later, and people would be like, oh, oh, he dies really quick. And I was like, oh okay. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's featured prominently in the in the trailer. I just remember that. So it, it was interesting that he he would die quickly. Um, it's got the guy from. Uh, the full Monty and like Once Upon a Time in it. I forget. I can't remember. I don't know why I can't remember his name. He's also in Train Spotting. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller? No, not Johnny Lee Miller. He mm-hmm. plays the father in, in Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Uh, it's okay. It's not important. Yeah, but so there's uh, a few people that I can't quite remember their names. Uh, what? Uh, do you know the name of the director for Twenty Eight Weeks Later? Yes, Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. Or Fresnadillo, if you want to read that in Spanish. Have, has he directed other things other than 28 Weeks Later? Um, Yeah, a couple other things, but nothing really major from what I'm looking at here. It's really just kind of like that's his biggest claim to fame. I think that's why they referenced that one in the title. I know. That's, of the but that's, a, that's a good long time ago for, you know, something that they're going to be putting in the hands of. Yeah, I want to say, has it been like 10 years already? Oh, it's got to have been at least 10 years. Yeah. And... um. Yeah, like I, I kind of dig that though because this isn't a movie that I don't feel too many people are invested in, but it could use a nice brush up. Have give it the you know like, you shouldn't always I I feel take a a movie that was already good 
and then just remake it just because you know it'll make money because the previous one was good and you're just redoing that. The Sword in the Stone was kind of a sleeper, in my opinion. Like, it's not one of the more... I mean, you don't really see a lot of merchandise for it. Right, and you don't see a King lot Arthur of... Other than King Arthur and Merlin, I can't even remember any other characters <laughs> from it. You don't see a lot of kids going crazy for the Sword in the Stone stuff. It's like yeah. Frozen or Lion King or... So this one could use a, a good, healthy revamp. And like like they've been doing... Some of the things I like that they have been doing with some of the more recent live-action remakes, they tweak the story just a little bit to kind of make it a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um in some cases, they go a little bit too far. Like in the case of Maleficent, it just makes you feel really awkward. <laughs> it's a very strange uh, and dark take on it. But uh, yeah, like I like some of the stuff that they did with like the Beauty and the Beast one, for instance, where they kind of flesh out a little bit more about why the prince was such a douche to begin with and uh, kind of explain a little bit more of the backstory. Maybe it's somewhat unnecessary, but hey, I mean, if you're going to redo it, might as well throw something new in there as well. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, I'd like to see Arthurian legend through the eyes of Disney redone with modern special effects with a competent director and see what pops out of it. Well, you know, you see, it's interesting because we just got a new take on Arthurian legend with Guy Ritchie when he made, um, what was that called? That's how bad. King Ar- I think it was called King Arthur Legend of the Sword. And... Uh, you know, there's a lot of reports of heavy, heavy reshoots and and editing after that movie, or before that movie came out, and the changes that were made from now, Guy, Guy Ritchie. Is that Ritchie's. the one with uh, Clive Owen? No, that's the one with uh, Charlie Hunnan as King Arthur and uh, Jude Law as the bad guy. I don't know who he's supposed to be. I think he's 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 like the prince. I don't know. Anyways, oh, he's 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 uh, King Arthur's uncle, yeah. But um, it, it you know that but that that's a good point. The the King Arthur story with Clive Owen and uh, Kira Knightley was in it and stuff like that. That's yeah. the, you get those movies all the time because you know obviously the King Arthur stuff is all public domain it's it's easy to make and remake and stuff like that it's stories that people understand and and like and stuff like the same thing you get with robin hood robin hood has remakes all the time and and uh like we're going to be getting the one with joel no not taron edgerton coming up here pretty soon oh really yeah it's called i think it's i even think it's called uh robin hood origins or origin (laughs) really yeah wow so and that's coming off of what the russell crowe one not too long ago which was, was that just called Robin Hood? Or? I believe that one was just Robin Hood, yeah. yeah. I mean, nothing's ever going to beat the majesty that was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> you know, it's like... But one, I mean, you, do, you got Kevin Costner not even doing an English <laughs> accent. Which Carrie always pointed out in Robin Hood, Men in Tights. <laughs> and that's my favorite right there. That's your favorite. That's a good one. That was uh, one, one of Dave Chappelle's earliest yes, performances. Yes, yes, yeah. it really was. I thought that was Chris Rock in, in hindsight. Like, my memory must have played a trick on me. <laughs> um, or maybe just my racist uh, memory that... Maybe. Yeah, it was like, oh, it was the black guy from back in the mid-90s. Oh, Chris Rock. Yeah, sure, I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I... Arthurian legend is popular for a reason. It follows, you know, the Joseph Ham- Campbell archetype of the hero's journey. Yep. It's a story old as time. And, you know, the, the Sword in the Stone animated movie really fo- focuses more on the young uh, Arthur. 
Yeah. You know, as he's pulling it out. So or pulling it out. Pulling the sword out. <laughs> that's of what the she said. Uh, if that's what they're going to focus on in this movie, then, you know, more power to them. Man, now that you mentioned that, I really hope that the sword and stone is really just a metaphor for, like, uh, <laughs> knocking up some woman. Oh, it's just uh, the losing lady your virginity. The lake, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, and that's the one thing I I don't remember that movie all that well. The sword and the, the animated sword and the stone movie does it even go further than from when like uh, Wart becomes King Arthur? Like he becomes king. I don't king? think so. I don't think they go into like the whole Knights of the Round Table and all that other good stuff. It's just it's just w- the part where he pulls the sword out of the stone, right? Pretty much, yeah. Because yeah. he was like a peasant boy, and he turned out to be the the diamond in the rough, essentially. Yeah, and I was like, holy shit, it's Aladdin, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, you know, I don't think we ever talked about that, but there was the the controversy with the uh, the Aladdin movie. That is that Guy Ritchie also. Yeah, I believe so. I think yeah. it is Guy Ritchie. The Guy Ritchie's made uh, getting Will Smith to play the genie and all that. Yeah, but yeah. the the latest controversy was there was about a hundred extras and background characters that that were white that they painted brown <laughs> yeah we never discussed that but i do remember reading about and the reasoning that they came out and said that you know they did this is because uh they were they were essential people that were already doing a job that needed to be on camera so like camel handlers and uh you know certain that sounds like a like- racist slur you camel handler <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's like uh, you guys are stretching it, and that's that's pretty bad. So I don't know. I've heard some people say like you need to just like go and refilm all those scenes with actual people not in brown makeup, and that's the only way that you can make make this up. But what do you think Disney does at that point? I don't know, but it reminded me of one of my favorite memes that came out when it says when when Arabs slash Persians are good guys. And it shows you people like Jake Gyllenhaal in uh, in um, oh, uh, Sands of Time. What was that one? Yeah, the, uh, the oh, Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia, yeah, and a few other examples like that. And then when Persians are the bad guys, and then it shows you, uh, you know, like the mustachioed guy from, uh, what was it, 300, you know, like oh. the, the whip guy and a bunch of other people. It's really interesting. I was like, oh, yeah, that's... That kind of tells you something about society or Hollywood, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I could see it if it's like for budgetary reasons. Like, well, we already have all these extras. We're not gonna recast them if they're not even gonna be like on screen. We'll just kind of tint their skin a little. I could see that. I mean, it's lazy, but I mean, Disney's gotta save a buck here and there, you know. I mean, couldn't they have just like said, "Here's some tanning lotion and go out and sit in the sun for a little longer." <laughs> All right, that's bad, but that's also not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, my next story, my actual next story was uh, from comes from Joel Kinnaman's uh, Instagram account. Now, you might know Joel Kinnaman as uh, the new RoboCop, or he's going to be in this new Altered Carbon uh, Netflix show, which I think looks pretty amazing. But uh, this particular post goes to the fact that he was Rick Flagg in Suicide Squad. So he's part of the DCEU or DCFU now. Um, DCFU sounds about right. <laughs> it sounds like that's what they've been doing More like us. DCFU. <laughs> but uh, he, played, he played Captain Rick Flagg in the Suicide Squad. And he posted a photo of himself, Jay Hernandez, and uh, Jai Courtney, who respectively were... 
El Diablo and Captain Boomerang in the Suicide Squad movie, along with their trainer talking about training and getting ready for uh, Suicide Squad 2. Now, the big question is, well, I guess he doesn't really say he's getting ready for Suicide Squad 2. It just says, Brandon whipping us back into shape, Jay puked, hashtag garage gym. See, missed opportunity to put hashtag squad goals. <laughs> see, and I, but see, that might be the thing. That might be the reasoning. It's not a missed opportunity. He purposely didn't put squad goals because the idea is that if this is for Suicide Squad 2, why is Jay Hernandez working out? He died in the first... His character, Del Diablo, died in the first movie. Maybe this is El Diablo's twin brother who wants to take up the mantle of the Diablo because there must always be a Diablo. Maybe. I mean, obviously, he was an avatar for a Aztec god or Mayan god. I don't know which one it was supposed to be. I think that was supposed to be Mayan. Okay. Uh, is it possible that he's resurrected or comes back? We just didn't see it at the end of that movie. Well, I mean, they did, I mean, yeah, I always kind of figured like in my own headcanon that El Diablo was basically possessed by a similar type of entity as June Moon was. Okay. Because June Moon was like some also kind of some type of Mesoamerican right. character, but they stated she's actually some extra dimensional being who just took an avatar in our world. So I kind of figured that Diablo was kind of similar, uh, but different. Right. Obviously. And maybe the yeah, maybe he transcends death and can come back. And maybe that's the beginning of the next movie, like the, them them finding him or something. I guess so. Yeah, maybe he doesn't remember. You know, it'll be sort of like uh, the Kingsman, you know, Golden Circle. Maybe is like he's back. He's reconstituted himself like Miss <laughs> Doctor Manhattan, but doesn't remember. So they have to reteach him, and maybe this time he's a little more hot headed and not as you know. Buddhist monk style. Ah, okay. So, so he's, he's back little... to when before he went into jail, before yeah. he killed his family. Yeah, he might be all like out of control, and they're trying to keep him under control, remind him of the good that was in him. <laughs> I imagine the the uh, makeup department would be like, can we possibly make it so that he burned off all those tattoos? <laughs> well, yeah, I would figure that. Yeah, he'd come back like all freshly, you know, rejuvenated and right. no ink and kind of Phoenix Reborn kind it, of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, all his past scars, his past life is gone. He is a fire god, so... Yeah, uh, I dig it. Uh, yeah, I mean, just as long as it's not the whole movie, it's not like the search for Spock or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just looking for him. Uh, you had another story. Yes, this one is kind of a three mini stories in one, and they all have to do with Star Wars, my formerly favorite like franchise. Oh, jeez, formerly favorite. <laughs> so... Uh, Ryan Johnson recently was uh, tweeting pictures of his home library and he was zooming in to a particular section of his books and then he pulled out the, uh, I think it was called The Path of the Jedi. Essentially, it's the canon explanation for all things Jedi related. And he opens it to a passage where it explains force ghosts or force projections. And he points with his finger that, yes, indeed, in Star Wars canon, it is a Jedi ability, although not previously seen in other movies, where you can make an avatar of yourself and control it and make it completely realistic to the point where you can actually make physical contact with others, even though it's not real. So this would explain the Luke Skywalker sequence at the end in full. However, this is also leading to speculation that if Luke was able to do this and he was probably one of the strongest Jedi uh, that ever lived, if 
not by default because he was the only one left at this point. And we know for a fact that Snoke was also incredibly powerful. That perhaps Snoke is not dead. And he went so far as to create an, a force projection of himself and pretended to allow himself to get cut in half by Kylo Ren's uh, manipulation of his grandfather's lightsaber <laughs> in order to basically push him towards the end. As long as, Essentially saying, as long as Kylo Ren believes that he killed his master, then that would have been the push he needed to really kind of cement his place as a Darksider. And that was Snoke's goal all along he just happened to do it without having to let himself die in the process look that is a lot of stretching <laughs> uh that's like jane fonda aerobics size stretching but uh you can't sit there and when disney came in and bought fucking lucas films and star wars and all that stuff and said and said look none of the books are going to be canon anymore and then have him come in and be like, hey, look, here in this book, it says that this shit happened. Force projecting is a thing. No, we're only supposed to have the movies and the cartoon animated shows to go off of. You can't just pick and choose, you know? I'm so glad you brought this up because that leads me to my next section of this multi-part story, the canon. So it's been revealed. The reason why they got rid of almost 30 years of extended universe for Star Wars is for one very simple and one very stupid reason. And that is because Disney couldn't bear the fact that in the canon, the original extended universe canon, Chewbacca was dead. (laughs) Do you know how he died in the the extended universe? Yes, a moon landed on him. Of course it did. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was during a pivotal story where this huge, tremendous enemy that dwarfed the Empire as far as scope and power... Uh, called the Vujang or Yu Yang Vong. It's just, yep. I think they just threw a bunch of letters in a bowl and pulled them out, and that's what was decided to be the name of this, whatever this was. It was supposed to be uh, some really ancient, super powerful enemy that like existed in the outermost reaches of the galaxy, and almost nobody knew of them, obviously, because why would you? And so, yeah, Chewbacca died a heroic death by having a moon crush him and the Millennium Falcon, I believe. Um, He died a hero's death. So Disney was like, no, if we're going to redo Star Wars, we can't have that. We need to have Chewbacca back. Well, and the Millennium Falcon. And the Millennium Falcon. That's that's pivotal to this whole thing. Well, obviously, I mean, she had to fight it on Jakku and then (laughs) fly it into a fucking whatever. I don't know. And Chewbacca had the great, uh, powerful role that was pivotal to the story of almost eating a porg. Yeah. And shooting Kylo in the hip, I in guess. The hip. Not, not actually killing him. Not actually killing him, yeah. After the many, many years that he's been using the fucking crossbolt or whatever the hell that gun is called. The, uh, yeah, crossbolt? What was the name of that? It's, uh, oh man, I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, yeah. The uh, and then uh, also completely dissing Princess Leia or General Leia General at the end, yeah, General Organa, (laughs) General Solo. Technically, they were married. I don't know if she ever. She probably didn't take his. She didn't take his name. She's got a royal name. Why wouldn't she keep that? She don't need no man. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so essentially, that's the whole reason why they threw out so many years of canon, and it basically Disney is kind of picking and choosing what bits of canon they're reincorporating because as you said you know 
Rebels is canon and Clone Wars is canon because they've said they would be canon. And in Rebels, they've already introduced um, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was one of the most beloved, well, not beloved, but infamous characters of the extended universe. So he's back. So obviously, to some degree, they are picking and choosing, saying, well, we're not throwing everything out, but until you hear it from us that it's official, it's not canon. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine with me. You can pick and choose all you want. Just don't sit there and be like, well, see, it also happened in this book right here, so thus I am able to say that he can force project. I do across. believe that these books came out after the Disney acquisition. Oh, okay. So that would explain that, yeah. But all the other previous, uh, uh, like, encyclopedias of Star Wars, I remember my first Star Wars encyclopedia that I got from uh, my friend Daniel actually stated that uh, Obi-Wan and Uncle Owen were brothers. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, that whole thing was really interesting because that, in that expanded universe time frame, yeah, the, the way they explained how uh, Uncle Owen was really pissed at Obi-Wan for basically ruining Anakin's life, he was like, I don't want you going anywhere near him and ruining another Skywalker, basically. Uh, but, yeah, then eventually they changed that canon to then actually being Luke's step-uncle. Okay. Or half uncle, yeah, whatever that would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, step uncle, step uncle would be correct. Yeah, I don't know what a half uncle is now that I think about it. But <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they even back then in the old Lucasfilm days, uh, Lucas was changing his mind all the time about what was actually canon. So, in reality, there is no real canon. If you like something that's been said before, or if you want to make up something that fits your narrative better, I say do it. I'm just gonna start doing that, starting with pretending like Last Jedi never happened. Your stepmother's brother? Was that? No, that would still be a. Be Are you a still thinking about that family relationship? It'd be your. Yeah, no, there's no such thing as a half uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, that was my little, uh, like half baked moment right there. All right. So uh, my next story has to do with John Wick three. Uh, obviously, we're getting John Wick three after. The success of John Wick 2 and obviously the great success of John Wick 1. I'm excited. And me too. According to that hashtag show, the film is moving forward with a director, start date, and returning cast members. Chad Stileski, uh, who co-directed the first film before tackling John Wick 2 on its own, will be staying the course and guiding John Wick 3. The hashtag show also reported principal photography is beginning March 1st in New York City with additional fil- additional filming locations possibly in spain and russia given how the last film ended with wick declaring the assassin world underworld uh should come for him as he walked off into new york city it looks like john wick 3 might pick up right where the previous installment left off which makes sense because part two picked up right where (laughs) part three part one left off that's further confirmed with the news lawrence fishburne will be returning as the bowery king and joined by commons casian and ruby rose's Eris. Now, didn't she die in the second one? I thought it was the other lady. No, Ruby Rose, he he stabs her and like Oh no, that was Common. Didn't he stab him? I don't know. I thought yeah, I, remember... I think Common's still alive. Well, yeah. I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh there will also be multiple new faces in the film's uh antagonists being played by Hiroyuku Sanada. Uh, from the Wolverine and Avengers 4. Sonata will be playing the head of a Japanese crime syndicate 
presumably with a score to settle against Reeves's wick. This will be a reunion for the two actors who starred together in 2013's 47 Samurai. Uh, the studio is also looking for a woman to co-star with Reeves, ranging from her late 20s to early 40s, and open to diverse casting, with Reeves' hopes to bring Tilda Swinton into the Wick franchise, according to rumor. This say, isn't no, the role he has in mind for her. No opportunity for Carrie Ann Moss in there. Right, go go ahead and get her in there. I mean, yeah. you already got Lawrence Fishburne. Why not? Yeah. Um, so that that's interesting. Oh, just reading that though, with the the idea of uh, Iroyuki Sanada, uh, being fr- the fact that he was, he's going to be in Avengers Four. I didn't know about that. I mean, he was in the Wolverine as the one dude that. Uh, he wasn't the actual sam- Silver Samurai. He's the one that he was the son of the Silver Samurai. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's also going to be playing someone in Avengers 4, which I have no idea who he's going to be playing. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Sunfire? But that's an X-Men. I don't oh, that's right. know if yeah. they'll have that those rights yet. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. I mean, maybe. obviously, they didn't have those rights yet. They're working on it. Uh, so, uh, yeah. What do you? I mean, what do you think of Chad coming back to direct the third installment? Awesome. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I'm super hyped for the possibility of having a John Wick wielding a katana. Uh, you know, I have we seen we haven't seen him use a sword yet in no. the, these movies. Huh? We've seen him use uh, all manner of stabbing, improvised tools like pencils and <laughs> knives. Yeah. My favorite, obviously, my favorite knife of all time is the butterfly knife, and I'm super excited that he might wield one of those eventually. Because if anyone is, you know, who is as a perfectionist as he is, you know, he would look really awesome doing it. I mean, he's only done such a great job with the character so far. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I could only imagine what that's going to be like. And, you know, this this on the, the tail end of, or the tail, I don't know, a tail end of the announcement of the show that's going to be coming out that we talked about last week, you know, with the Continental being a thing. Now, do you think the Continental is going to pick up after the events of the movie or somewhere in between, like during a side stories? I think it's going to be a side story. I guess, I mean, it makes more sense for it to be after, unless John Wick in the third movie, he just brings the whole organization down, like everything down. John Wick versus the world, basically. <laughs> basically. I mean, as we saw in the, at the end of the last movie, it seemed like everybody in New York City is an assassin in one way or another. So that's kind of scary. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe maybe it will be before the events of John Wick, and we could see a little bit of John, like young John Wick, coming through. So, or maybe uh, Ian McShane in his youth building up the Continental. Yeah, someone establishing playing, that. Someone playing his character from the from the beginning. That pretty neat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, did you have another story? Um, no, I do believe that was everything. All right, then let's go ahead and start talking about Black Mirror Season 4, Episode 3, Crocodile. This is directed by John Hillcoat, also written by Charlie Brooker, like the rest, and uh, not starring anybody in particular that I recognize from anything else. Um, the director, John Hillcoat, Hillcoat, yeah, Hillcoat, uh, directed Triple Nine. In 2016, I watched that. That was pretty good. Lawless in 2012 was a great movie. Uh, the Road in 2009, scary ass movie. Uh, and a bunch of music videos. So, 
interesting work. I'm okay with that. A lot of callbacks to older episodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got the song from White Christmas and 15 Million Merits. Uh, we had the porn channel from 15 Million Merits. We had the porn channel. And uh, a little bit more similar tech. I mean, this is kind of like um, uh, the entire history of U-Tech, but yeah. maybe like the earliest versions of it. Yeah. Why is it? That it seems like that's... I don't know. It seems like we've had that kind of tech a lot this season. It's the whole tap into your your brain. Because so, we had it in USS Callister. We had it in uh, this last one, Archangel. And now we have it in this. It's like it's all... Hey, this is something that we're putting inside your brain to either entertain you or your safety. Yeah. In the conspiracy theory circles they call this predictive programming where they start embedding this idea of something or other that's down the pipeline and this is a way to sort of soften the blow whereas if they just rolled it out tomorrow like hey we can implant a thing the size of a grain of rice in your brain and have all access to all this information about you and what you can see and do and feel and all this other stuff but if you see it in a sci-fi show little by little then you start getting used to the idea and some people might even want to adopt it and be like, dude, I totally want that in my brain. You know, the the scary part for me is that is I watch so much sci-fi is that I don't really remember what is actually real science now and not what's not real science. Like what what exactly exists out there and what doesn't <laughs> exist anymore? Well, if, it's, uh, if the conspiracy theories are to believe something like uh, the technology that is currently in development is usually way more advanced than what we realize at least 10 years advanced but yeah it shows like star trek pioneered things like i mean something as simple as uh automatic doors to you know cell phones and uh you know all kinds of crazy technology uh, that is in development or already exists now because of you know them predicting it was going to happen you know captain picard had a tablet before you know tablets were a thing and so on and so forth. So it's pretty interesting that science fiction tends to become science fact after a while. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, look at um, things like uh, uh, home assistants, like smart assistants, Alexa, Siri, Google, Cortana, all those things, you know, that, that was essentially next generation, them tapping on their badges and asking the computer for something, right? Yeah. All that stuff. <clears throat> Got a little bit of a frog in my throat there. Um, But yeah, so a lot of that stuff kind of seems plausible. And this one, I like how they rolled it out by basically saying this. it, it was much bigger than we're used to seeing. This wasn't like the little grain of rice that goes into your skin. It was more like a little... It's like a button. It, yeah, I mean, it's like a button-sized thing, like a cufflink kind of. Yeah, and you know, the the amount of needle i guess is the best way to put it that they stick into your temple for this thing to work no one reacts to it like that was the weirdest thing to me like you're sticking someone that something that's probably the size of a quarter inch right into my skull well i thought that too 
And I thought, well, every time that she does it, right before she swaps with what I assumed was alcohol, you know, to like clean the area. Oh, but it might be a numbing probably like, agent like or an something? analgesic or something. Uh, maybe. Okay, fair enough. But still, and plus the temple's pretty like not as sensitive as you might think. I've poked myself with stuff there before for fun, and it's like, yeah, I can actually <laughs> for fun. Do it. You just throw out the for fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyways, I don't care. I don't care if there's no fucking uh, nerve ending there or not. I just don't know. I'm going to react to someone shoving a needle into my brain. Yeah. Well, you're missing out on the tech then. Okay. Uh, now, the idea of this one, this episode, to me, like, it took a long time before they actually got to the tech of this episode. Like, that's the whole thing about Black Mirror is how the tech interrupts our lives or is uh, bad or, uh, you know, we're not paying attention clo- or we're not paying close enough attention and stuff. Now, one of the things about this episode, one of the tech things about this episode that kind of got um, high publicity after the fact, after it came out, is because of Pizza Hut. So in the episode, one of the uh, one of the side characters, one of the characters, gets hit by a self-driving truck that drive that delivers pizzas to people. And a couple weeks after the these episodes dropped, Pizza Hut talked about how them and Toyota are working together to do self-driving delivery trucks. And everybody kind of went crazy. It was like we just saw the episode of Black Mirror <laughs> where this is pertinent. Now. Like we had been saying, we haven't gone ahead and watched, so I, I kept seeing that. And I was thinking, oh, well, this episode is going to be very heavily influenced with that. It's not really. It's just kind of a catalyst for the beginning of the problem in this, or one of the problems. For, your, for yeah, that's, see, I really one of the things I enjoyed about this episode, and I know we disagree on our liking of it, but I really liked it. And one of the reasons why is because I felt it was very tightly written as far as setting up and paying off things. Things are introduced that you don't think are going to matter, but they do matter in a very uh, like important way. Mm-hmm. Um, and other things that you feel like might actually be important are integral, but they're not the focus. And in this particular case, the self-driving pizza delivery truck being one of them, it does set sort of a part of the plot in motion, but it's it's a small part yet integral to the overall story. So, um, I guess we should kind of give a brief summary as to what it is that happened. So, the, the episode starts off where you have uh, a young couple on their way back from a concert where they've probably indulged in uh, alcohol and drugs. The devil's lettuce. <laughs> and uh, on their way home, they're on a desolate road, not paying attention to the road, and they strike a bicyclist who they then they they kill and instead of calling for emergency services uh because they're high they decide well there's no one around we might as well just dump the body into the iceland fucking lake and that fjord nearby put uh put rocks into a sleeping bag with him and forget about it cut to 15 years later the young lady has gone on to be a very successful architect, whereas the gentleman hasn't really quite moved on with his life, it doesn't seem. And he's, he's struggled with alcoholism. He's struggled with alcoholism. And he, obviously the guilt of killing a man and then covering up the, the death has gotten to him. He wants to go and confess. Uh, 
uh, she doesn't want that to happen because she has a child, she has a family, she has a career, and she feels it's going to really ruin her life. But he said, he even says, I won't, I'll leave your name out of it. You don't, you won't even be part of the story. I just say that I did it all on my own. And, uh, she, she just can't have that. And she overpowers him in her hotel room, uh, pushes, puts pressure against his neck until the point where he dies. His neck snaps and he dies. Well, now she has another dead body in her hands. Yeah. She has to go. She, she didn't plans out a whole way of getting that dead body out of the hotel and then into, I don't know what that was. Was it a sewer or was it a... Yeah, it was something, some, some kind of smelting. It was some kind of thing? shaft. It sounded like sizzling when he, yeah. like his body landed in it. Uh, and to get rid of that body. Now, while she is cleaning up in her hotel room, she sees, or she hears, not, I don't know what makes her go to the window first. Did she hear the accident or did something else and then she sees the accident? Because she has to see the accident for the the whole investigation to, to work out. Um, I think she saw the flash out of the corner of her eye, and that drew her to the window. Okay. As she walked to the window, that's when the accident happens. Uh, so she sees uh, the, the self-driving pizza delivery truck hit strike a man in the street. He doesn't die. He does get his arm broken. Now, in this near future, insurance claims happen really, really quick because this is all within 24 hours of, of this happening. The the young insurance uh, claim adjuster, I guess I don't know what she's in yeah, claims investigator. Right. Yeah, uh, comes to investigate the man who was struck, and by using this new technology that is some type of memory uh, cooperator is the way that they put it. Which yeah. to me, this is already it, the technology itself doesn't seem good enough for me. Like that, it's that they've built this whole thing around because even in the episode itself the one of the gentlemen the gentleman that takes the picture of the young gentleman uh <laughs> the dentist i'm sorry he uh, he says yeah she had on a uh orange jacket a very loud orange jacket and she goes well actually it was yellow and you see in the video his memory changed from yellow from orange to yellow which then makes me think you know that how is this any better than just someone reaccounting the the thing? Because memory is faulty. People remember what they want to remember. Well, and not in the case of the main character, unfortunately. Well, I mean, okay. So th- that was the other thing. Using the olfactory uh, senses, the the making her smell the beer and play the song, it was another way of overloading her her trying to rewrite the memory and it basically forced her to remember the other stuff how i saw it yeah which actually brings us to the title of this episode so according to yes according to imdb trivia the name crocodile stems from the well apparently the fact that uh crocodiles are able to uh recollect and improve memory when exposed to certain olfactory cues uh, which I guess helps them jog their memory or remember certain things. Uh, they they can react certain ways, um, if when they're stimulated and then have a s- exposure to a certain smell. Huh. If they then are exposed to just the smell, they react as if they had had the stimulus that originally preceded it as well. 
uh, sort of a combination of a you know like a Pavlovian effect essentially right and um, so I guess it comes from that I don't, why specifically crocodiles I don't know other than the fact that this chick is also very cold hearted <laughs> she I mean obviously by the end of the episode she's 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 almost got that dead look behind her eyes yeah. that the crocodile does I and mean, the crocodile tear thing might kind of apply a little bit I never know? understood that I, I never understood that idiom crocodile um, tears from my understanding it's the a crocodile's eyes will water when it chomps down on something because of the pressure pr- presses on the tear ducts, oh. which causes them to excrete. So, although it looks like the crocodile is crying, it's actually just part of its normal function, in order for it to do what it needs to do, which is part of its nature. So, this claims uh, investigator um, Shazia Akhan. She is basically working her way from the gentleman who gets hit by the car to find other witnesses to corroborate that it wasn't his fault, but the car's fault for being hit. Now, uh, she hopes that if she can prove this, you know, the client will get his money and then she will also get a stipend or a percentage of the claim for uh, being expedious in figuring it all out she yeah, she basically said if she had it figured out within a certain time frame she'd get double bonus right within 24 hours right so she's going from person to person using the the previous person's memories of the events to find the next person eventually getting to our main character mia who saw it from saw the accident happen from her hotel room um Eventually, she makes it to Mia's house where she's, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I'd like to go over this thing with you. And there's this whole, like, I don't want to even say subplot, but at one point, Mia throws on a adult film on her uh, hotel room. I really don't understand why, other than for this plot point, but she throws it on and um, uh, the... The lady says we or Shazia says we don't we aren't worried about what it was you were doing in your room. We just need to cooperate what you saw. And she says okay. And right there, I would have been like, no, I don't, I don't want you to be poking around in my head. And I understand she says the cops will be called later or whatever. But I was like, yeah, then you can try that. But I, I don't know if I if I kill the guy, I'm not gonna let someone look at my memories. That's for damn sure. Well. See, I well, there's a few things there. So going back to why she put on the porno. Do you really think that's going to... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what are you going to say? So my logic with that is that she did it as an alibi. Yeah, I don't... It, that doesn't... Anybody can just put something on and then walk away as she did. Yeah, but you see, anybody could put on just a regular movie. When you put on a porno, it's like there's a commitment there. <laughs> God damn. That's, you're going to say you... <laughs> So most anybody can be like, oh, yeah, the movie was playing. But see, who would, you know, you would expect people to lie about, you know, not having watched a porno when they clearly did. She was more like, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I kind of was doing something. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, whose thought process would then be, oh, she is admitting that she watched a porno. Clearly something is up. She must have been doing something else instead. No, I, I don't I don't buy that. I just it's to me it's just weak writing. It the whole porno thing is just a it's just for her to it's just for the story to use later. 
It doesn't make any sense. I think that was entirely the point of it. I don't think, I mean, I don't think that the, the plot was written backwards to where like that was going to be a plot point later. I sincerely think that was just as a way of basically creating an alibi. Cause I mean, people could say, Hey, where were you on this night? Were you out, you know, burying a body in some like kind of sewer pipe? And she'd be like, Oh no, I was at my hotel room and I was watching something. And then it's none of your business what I was watching. <laughs> All right. I, I don't think we're going to agree on this one either, but <laughs> we move on to the next thing. You were going to say... Uh, the next thing was uh, she clearly was trying to force herself to misremember things because she was psyching herself up in right. the bathroom. Yes. Right before. So I it she seemed like she thought maybe there's a trick to it, kind of like how if you know how to control your breath, you can fool a polygraph or something or other or... I think she was just basically trying to do that as well. But and she almost succeeded. It's like right at the very end, it kind of just like went in there. She just yeah. couldn't help herself. Yeah, because she wasn't anticipating the, the smell in the song. Yeah, all those other things kind of helped jog her memory. What do you say about the whole cop thing? That Because the, the claim investigator says, you know, if you don't say yes now, we'll bring police in and they'll have to get a warrant and all that stuff. Well, in that case, I kind of figured she weighed her you know, bets on it. Like maybe I could fool this person who's not a cop and get away with it uh, rather than have the cops be involved and make this whole thing even worse. And <laughs> Oh, because it doesn't become worse. <laughs> well, I mean, and then again, she probably have more luck killing this person than killing cops. So uh, she does end up killing this, this girl. Uh, the lady sees her kill someone in her memory. Yep. Um, it freaks her out and she's like, okay, I got everything I need. And she obviously, doesn't cover it up well and just kind of tries to leave and and it's already established earlier in this episode that she has car problems so her car doesn't start uh mia mia comes and breaks the window in her car pulls her out and puts her takes her to a shed and just like look you, you know you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and she's she's constantly trying to remind say like i won't tell anybody i won't tell anybody any anything i saw you know just let me go just let me go now, this is another part that I had a problem with. Mia asks Shazia, says, hey, did you tell anybody that you were coming out here? And she immediately tells her, no. No, I didn't I didn't tell anybody. To me, I would have been like, yes. I told my husband. I told my boss. I told, you know, <laughs> I told the fucking, my best friend who works at the newspaper that this is where I was coming. Uh, just so that it, it'd be like, look, if you kill me, people are going to come here. They're going to know to come looking for you. And with the technology that they have in this universe already, how do you hide her um, GPS on her car? Like, I don't know. How do you feel about what? Don't do that. What do you, how do you feel about the, uh, her telling her, you know, uh, no, no one knows that I came out here. Yeah, she should have been upfront about it because I knew that she was going to do that. She was going to put the thing on her head and ask her and look and see that she told her husband. And then that was going to just be one more body to have to add to the list. So after she kills her, she does go back. She does go to her house. And now she's got to kill her husband. Now, the husband's sitting there watching a movie. He finishes up the movie, decides to go and make uh, himself a bath. In the bath, he hears uh, her phone ring while he she she is snuck in the house. 
She uses a, a giant fucking hammer, <laughs> yeah. cracks him on the fucking whore, on the head, and he dies in the in the bathtub. And then you hear the baby cry. And now, as I know I'm not a parent, but mm-hmm. if you're a parent and you have a baby in the house, do you really go and take a bath like that? Like, do you have that ability? Well, the baby sounded like he was asleep, first of all, and he was in the crib, too. So, yeah, you you can kind of do that. I mean, unless if the kid was not in an enclosed, safe environment. Okay. Then, yeah, you wouldn't want to be leaving your kid out and about, you know, while you're off, you know, refreshing yourself in the tub. But, um, yeah, that's about normal, I would say. So, uh, seeing that there's a kid in the crib and the crib, the baby looks right at her. She only has one option at this point. Yep. Luckily, they don't show it. They only imply it later, uh, or at least tell you about it later. But the one person that she forgot to take care of, which apparently the technology works on them too, <laughs> is the brand new guinea pig Yes. that the, the father bought earlier in the episode. Which was set up early in the episode, and you forgot about by this point. I didn't point. forget about it. I knew. You I knew, knew, that, you I knew, knew the guinea pig was going to be the oh, yes. thing that's brought her down. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely knew it. <laughs> See, that's the thing about this episode, like the escalation. I loved, first of all, how it was part, partially a detective story because the gesture was skillfully linking one person to another to another until it led her to her death, which then leads Mia to her husband and then to her child, but she never thought to check for any pets. And then come to find out, the baby was blind. He didn't even see anything. Oh, I didn't catch that part. Yeah, they said that. Oh, wow. So the baby, she killed the baby for nothing. She didn't know that, but I mean. Well, actually, when... When she when they when they cut the scene right there, I almost thought that this was gonna be kinda like a white Christmas, you know, where he had left the toddler uh there with the dead grandpa and then she kinda walked off into the to the um the the cold on her own and just died a couple yards from the house because it was so cold. Mm. Now I knew that I knew the baby wasn't gonna actually walk outside, but I thought maybe no one would come and investigate the deaths for a while and the baby would just die on its own in the crib because no one was there to take care of it. But, uh, yeah, when they get, when they show the cops there and I don't know exactly how the cops got there so quick, but when they show the cops there, you know, they're like, Oh, uh, who kills a, who kills a baby? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I missed the part where they said the baby was blind. Yeah. That came a few sentences later, but uh, that's when I was like, oh man, she killed him for nothing. In spite of it all though. And granted, this could just be because uh, right now I'm chilling in what I like to call the, uh, the abyss, but I really kind of felt bad for Mia and sort of wanted her to get away with it. See, and I, I, I thought she was dumb at the, the first death. When they hit the bicyclist, she she obviously didn't want to cover it up. She wanted to do something about it, so she should have just done something about it. Like, yeah. but then she. I didn't. Had... I just did not feel re- re- any remorse for her at all. Yeah, I don't know. I guess people just sometimes go on a a downward slope of one mistake that leads to another, and you could have fixed it earlier on or repaired some of the damage that had been done but instead you just keep adding to the pile and Mm -hmm. before you know it it becomes your funeral pyre and i also like that it ended without them actually confronting mia it looks like they're there for her 
It definitely looks like that, and that's what I was wondering too. Like, I wondered why they cut it right there because the yeah. cops just show up, and they—I mean, those cops could have just been there to see the show, the kids' show too. <laughs> I was like, oh, this like adaptation of whatever that play was is. Oh, it's Muggsy Malone. Bugsy Malone, sorry, which uh, is interesting because Jodie Foster was in the movie version of Bugsy Malone, and she directed. She did the previous Archangel. episode. Yeah. It's all connected. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm just not enjoying this season. Like I, Black Mirror is obviously Black Mirror. It's dark. It's been dark since yeah. episode one, uh, which I never really liked episode one either. Um, but I was gonna say you m- miss the old days of pig fornication. Yeah, no, I no, I don't <laughs> miss those days. But I do, I do miss like the episodes of like uh, everything or entire history of you and uh, fifteen mi- million merits is not one of my favorite, but it's still I still thought that was better than this. See, both of those are really good, but see, entire history of you. Although it didn't end with murder, it almost did. It it really did, it and it, and really I found them to be very similar, very similar episodes. I mean. At some point, Charlie Brooker's probably going to start stealing from himself because he already is kind of doing that in a way. I well, feel that, like that's what I feel like these three episodes have his, been already. It's, yeah, it's a lot of his plots are already... overlapping story wise, but yeah, like I feel like thematically they're similar. This just kind of upped the ante quite a bit, where she actually did it and then just kept doing it, <laughs> didn't know when to stop. And I mean, is she really a monster? Yes. Or was she just a victim of circumstance? No, she's a monster. It's, she killed three people, a baby, and a baby. It's it's pretty bad. But she left the guinea pig. Four people. I mean, I, I you know. <laughs> do you do you kill? Do you consider her killing the the bicyclist? Like, is is she at fault? No, she was complicit, but she wasn't at fault. The guy wanted to admit to it, and see, and and this is the thing. I ideally, if I was in her place, I would have agreed with the guys, hey, you want to admit to this? Admit to it, but do it on your own. Like, I got a life now. Um, you know, I'm a different person. I mean, obviously, and that's exactly what I say, too. I mean, if he's yeah. going to admit to it, then, you know, make it make sure that he doesn't say that you were there, but how are you going to make sure of that? That's the only, only problem. And obviously, they're going to probably use the fucking uh, memory fucking co- collaborator on him. Yeah, if they did that, then like she could have been screwed, and she maybe was even thinking about that. But I think when they came down to them using that on her, she was kind of like, "Oh, what's that thing?" or something. Yeah, like you're that. right. It 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 does seem like it's kind of a newer technology. Yeah, but. it's still in beta, probably. Uh, but this was a dark, messed up episode. <laughs> but I have to episode. say, I it had me guessing every at every turn. I'm like, "Oh man, what's gonna happen here? Like, what's she gonna do?" Like, it. If anything, at least it kept me on the edge of my seat, and like, I, I didn't know how it was gonna turn out, and that's one of the things nowadays where I'm just kind of like, yeah, it got me. It, it, I didn't see it coming. Maybe it was kind of predictable, but not to me. To me, it was more like I really don't know where this is gonna go because of the twisty, turny nature of how one thing was leading to another. I mean, I thought the dentist might have taken a picture of her as she was doing the murder by accident and without realizing it or and you know other such things of that nature of like oh is this going to be what reveals something impressive maybe there was a camera on the pizza truck oh uh you know just just things like that i was trying to figure out what, what was going to happen and i mean uh, I, do, I do have to admit that i, I was constantly wondering where the if it was going to be one of the other witnesses that happened to catch a glimpse of her killing the other guy from her room but 
it's it's her own memory that betrays her is the thing. So that See, was a little different. My interpretation of the thing with the porn is if she was smart, she wouldn't have picked porn as an alibi. She would have picked the horror movie. That's smart, yeah. That's, but, she, she, but again, again, she's not thinking of the collaborator, the memory true. collaborator, because she doesn't even doesn't really know about it. So she, that would have been like thinking of the plot backwards. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, that, if that had been what she had picked, that would have made sense in that context. I was like, why'd she put on a movie if she wasn't going to watch it? Well, um, whatever, what did I say earlier? It was uh, Alibi. And, yeah. And like, they could be like, well, that wasn't a murder. That was just a really gruesome horror movie. Yeah. Uh, all right, we have three more episodes left of this show, uh, or of this season, and uh, we will be getting to that. Next one is Hang the DJ, which apparently has ties back to the first episode, USS Callister, in this season. So we will have to see how that plays out. Uh, if you have an opinion on this episode or any of the stories we talked about today, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, we are. I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. John is also on Twitter as... I am at Magic Bollocks, and let us know. Is Mia wrong? Yes. Yeah. It, it is. It, is Mia a bat? Is she a monster or is she, you know, just a victim of circumstance? Uh, the rest of Geekly Radio is at Geekly Radio on Twitter, at Geekly Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Radio is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geeklyradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.